this morning, I want to invite you to turn with me to the gospel according to Mark. If you're using one of the Bibles in the rack in front of you, it's page 890. I hope you had a very good Christmas. Uh, hope you spent time with your family. Uh, hope you enjoyed a little warm weather because I understand it's over. And um, we're going to have a great New Year's celebration and hope you will as well. Um, I uh, had thought about it a little bit last night. I think all of our or not all, but many of our ministers are out of town today. Uh, Caleb is uh, with our mission trip to Jamaica. Uh, David is on vacation and Andre is on vacation. And so uh, I thought, you know, if something happens in the middle of the night, it's gonna be a coin toss between Melanie and Jonathan, who gets to preach this morning. And uh, that would have been a whole lot of fun, wouldn't it? But uh, unfortunately, I'm well and you're stuck. Uh, I want to begin by talking about predictions this morning. It's amazing some of the things that happened that nobody really saw coming. Uh, who would have guessed 10 years ago when The Apprentice uh, was the uh, most popular reality TV show that we would be looking at our president 10 years later? Uh, who would have predicted that Houston this year would have received 60 inches of rain in one storm. Uh, who could have imagined in 1977 when I was nine years old and my parents took me to see Star Wars 4 that uh, some 40 years later I'd be taking my daughters to see Star Wars 8 and that there would be like 20 different episodes between 4 and 8 somehow. <laughs> who could have imagined in the 70s uh, that uh, arguably the greatest athlete of the 70s, uh, Bruce Jenner, uh, now in 2017 would be wearing dresses and pretending to be a girl. Who would have imagined that the thing that Bill Cosby would be most famous for in 2017 would be as an alleged serial rapist? Who would have imagined that most of us would weigh approximately the same at the end of 2017 that we weighed at the beginning of 2017. <laughs> Maybe that would be a little easier to predict, but all kinds of things happen that we just don't see coming. Predictions are hard, uh, especially predicting the weather, predicting sports, politics, uh, predicting stocks. I know we have a number of people in our church who are professionals at that. I understand that is a very difficult thing to do. But one prediction that I can make today that I am certain it will happen is this. God's word will change people's lives in 2018. You can take that one to the bank. It absolutely will happen. It happened in 17. It will happen in 2018. God's word will strengthen marriages. God's word will dispel depression and foster joy. God's word will bring freedom from the bondage of sin, addiction, and self-destructive behaviors. God's word will provide wisdom for godly living, and God's word will bring new and eternal life. We can count on it. You know, the Bible says in Isaiah 55, 11, my word that comes from my mouth will not return empty, but it will accomplish what I please and will, and will prosper in what I send it to do. God's word is going to do great things in people's lives in 2018. 
I went through my Bible and just looked at some of the promises connected with the power of God through his word. And I want to read some of these to you. In Proverbs 6.23, it says God's word will show the right path in every decision. In 2 Timothy 3.15, the Bible says that God's word will make us wise unto salvation. In Ephesians 5.26, the Bible says that God's word will sanctify or cleanse us. In John 20, 31, it says that it will increase our faith. In Psalm 119, 49, it says that God's word will give us hope. In Psalm 19, 7, it says that God's word will make us exceedingly wise. In Deuteronomy 17, 19, and 20, it says that God's word will help us be more obedient. In Psalm 119, 9, it says it will cleanse our hearts and our minds. In Psalm 17, 4, it says it will keep us off destructive paths. In 1 Peter 2, 2, it says that God's word will cause us to grow and mature in our faith. In Romans 15, 4, it says that God's word will give us great comfort. Psalm 19, 8, that God's word will cause hearts to rejoice. I could go on and on and on. God's word will do great things in 2018. But the problem is that I know something else as well. I know that God's word will do this in the lives of some who are here and some who are listening and watching this message, but God's word will not do that in other people's lives. Some, for some, God's word will shine like a bright light throughout their life, throughout 2018, but for some people, there will be nothing but darkness. For some people, God's word will create a great harvest of spiritual fruit in your life in 2018, but for some other people, it'll be a year of famine and drought. So what makes the difference? What determines whether or not in your life, God's word is gonna be this powerful uh, means for God to do his great work? What determines if God's word is going to work for you? Well, I think the answer is found in a parable that Jesus gives in Mark chapter four. Mark chapter four, it's a very familiar parable, but I think it's one that uh, is, is helpful to us, especially at the beginning of the year when so many people are making decisions about changes that they want to make in their lives. And so Jesus said in Mark chapter four, beginning in verse three, listen, consider the sower who went out to sow and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it didn't have much soil and it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. And when the sun came up, it was scorched and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns and the thorns came up and choked it and it didn't produce fruit. Still other seed though fell on good ground and it grew up producing fruit that increased 30, 60 and 100 times. So some seed, whatever that stands for, we'll see in a moment, some seed falls on the hard path and the birds come and eat it up. Some seed falls on this rocky soil. The rocky soil was soil with these large shelf-like rocks underneath. And so the soil would be very thin and it would, it would be warmer than other soil. And so the seed would germinate very quickly. A plant would sprout up overnight almost 
but it would fail when the sun withered it because it could set down no roots. Some seed, he says, falls in the thorny ground in the corners of the field. In those days, they didn't have a reverse on the donkeys that they used to plow. And so when they would plow the corners of the field, they had to round them off. And so there would always be the weeds in the corner. Some seed would fall there and it would be choked out by the weeds. But some seed, he said, would fall on the good soil and it would produce a great, great harvest. Now the disciples struggled with understanding what that meant. And so in this case, Jesus explains the parable. He doesn't always do this. Uh, many of them, we're left to figure out what they mean on our own. But in this case, there could be no confusion because Peter, I'm sorry, Jesus explained it to Peter and the other disciples beginning in verse 13. So let's look at that. It says, then he said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then would you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. So he tells us here that the seed represents the word of God. And so Jesus, when he taught, he often used these illustrations, these analogies. And so they would have been very familiar uh, with, a, uh, with, with, a, with the with the image of somebody planting their fields. And so the field would be tilled the best they could. And then uh, a sower would have a bag, a bag of seed, and it'd be open on one end and he would walk through the field, stick his hand in the bag and just cast the seed out into the field. And so there wasn't this uh, careful planting in rows like we would have today. There was just the casting of the seed. And so Jesus, when he saw that, that image, when he had that image in his mind, he said, that that reminds me of how the word of God goes out. And the seed represents the word of God. So he goes on to say, verse 14, the sower sows the word. Some are like the word sown on the path. When they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word sown to them. And so the seed represents the word of God, but the soil represents us. That's you, that's me, we are the soil. And so we're gonna see the interpretation of these four kinds of soil. All of us at, at, are one of these four soils. One of these four soils describes who we are. Now we may be a different soil one day than we are the next, but today, one of these soils, the description fits who you are. And so he begins by talking about the hard path, the soil that is, that is packed down because this is the passageway where people walk. And so it hasn't been tilled and the seed doesn't penetrate it and the birds come and take it away. But notice he, he tells us who the bird is. Verse 15 again, some are like the word sown on the path when they hear immediately Satan comes and takes away the word that's sown. So the word lands on the hearts of some people, but Satan immediately takes it away. Look at verse 16. And others are like seeds sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy, but they have no root. They are short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, they immediately fall away. So some people are like this rocky soil. 18, some are like seeds sown among the thorns. They are ones who hear the word, but the worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things enter in and choke out the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So there's the third description. And then finally, verse 20, and those like seed sown on good ground hear the word, welcome it, and produce fruit 30, 60, and 100 times what was sown. Let me share with you four instructions, I think, that come from this. Now, you can call these your, 
your to-do list items for 2018. You could call these your New Year's resolutions for 2018. You could just call this your prayer list for 2018. But there are four things that Jesus tells us here to do that if we'll do these four things, then the word of God will be powerful in our lives in this year to come. So number one, what must we do? Number one, we must commit to quick germination. We must commit to quick germination. Now, what does that mean? I've always wanted to use that word in a sermon. That's really why I'm preaching this, just so I can uh, use that funny word. Uh, it's talking about the, the seed getting into the soil. And uh, I don't know all of the mechanics of germination, but it, uh, it dies, so to speak. The Bible does talk about that. And, 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 and with the nutrients in the soil, the seed sprouts up and it grows we need to be committed to seeing the seed of God's word burrowing down into our hearts and, and beginning to produce some fruit, but we need to be committed to seeing that happen quickly. Because what we see here is that one of the soils is the hard path. And when the seed falls on the hard path, and for, for some of you right now, your hard path, this message is not going to mean anything to you. And some of you will be a hard path throughout 2018. But when the seed falls on the hard path, it doesn't impact a person's life. And Satan comes and takes it away. Look back at verse 15 if you have your Bible still open. Because he tells us how Satan takes it away. He says, the, where is it? Some are like the word sown on the path. And when they hear it, immediately Satan comes and takes it away. Satan doesn't wait around. If the word of God lands on your heart, and, and you know it's landed on your heart because you've been reminded of something you need to do. You've been reminded of a sin you need to confess. You've been reminded of a relationship that you need to mend. So God's word has landed on your heart and you feel its conviction. If you don't act quickly, the Bible says that Satan will take it away. A couple of lessons from this. First, we must not procrastinate in 2018 or today uh, when God's word lands on our heart. I'll tell you how this, how this looks so often. We hear God's word in a sermon or maybe in a, in a Bible study we're doing or in a Sunday school class. We hear God's word and it pricks our heart and we agree with it. We're not, we're not against God's word. We don't disbelieve God's word. We agree with it and we even agree that we ought to do something about it. But we decide that we're going to do something about it later. I'm gonna think about that when I get home. Tomorrow morning, I'm gonna do something about that. Next week, I'm gonna do something about that. I need to, I need to let that mull around. I need to pray about that some more. And, and so we plan to do something about it, but we don't do something about it immediately. And here's what happens. Satan just comes and takes that conviction away. I've been a, I've been a pastor for a long, long time. And I've seen lots of people make decisions as a result of exposure to God's word. But I don't think in my entire ministry career that I've ever had somebody come and say, I want to make a decision based on something I heard a week ago. I, I want to make a decision based on something that I was uh, convicted about a month ago. Because what happens is, just as Jesus described, if we don't act on God's word when it enters our hearts, then Satan will come and take away its conviction. Which leads us to lesson number two. When God speaks, we must respond immediately. We must respond immediately. We need to recognize, and, and it's true this morning. It's true this morning. We need to recognize when we hear God's word that there is a clock ticking. 
And we, we, we need to race against the clock. If we, if we slow down, if we procrastinate even a little bit, I promise you that conviction, that desire to make a change and, to, and embrace God on that issue, it will go away. Your heart could be red hot at the end of a worship service and it could be ice cold by the end of lunch. If we don't act quickly, the conviction will go away. You know, one of the things that's just, um, you know, every church has a personality. Uh, one of the things that uh, either because of personality or because of architecture uh, that we don't do often here is come down to the altar. Uh, we, we don't have a lot of people come and pray at the altar. And, and we don't want to be artificial about that. I don't want somebody to come and just be showy at the altar, of course. Uh, so, so we had a conversation. I had a conversation with two or three of our staff members and, and um, we discussed this. And, and I remember specifically one conversation that uh, Andre and I had. And I, I said, you know, we, we've really got a choice. We could, we could sort of de-emphasize uh, the, uh, the altar call on, on many weeks and, um, you know, we could take that uncomfortableness away or we really need to invest in it. And, and we talked about it and, and, and you, you know, the decision that we arrived at is that we really need to emphasize the altar call. We, we, we don't just need to, to, to make less of it because people aren't responding. This is a spiritual thing. Now, the Bible doesn't say you have to have an altar call and churches that don't have altar calls aren't necessarily bad churches, but, but, but we're committed to that here. And let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. It's because when God's word lands on your heart and pricks your heart and moves you to the point of a decision, you need to act on it right then. I don't want you to go home and consider it. I want you to act on it then. And sometimes something as simple as walking down an aisle and kneeling at an altar and praying will be what seals the deal. It'll keep Satan from taking that word away. Some of the most important spiritual decisions of my life were made when my heart was pricked and immediately I responded and I got down on my knees in a church at a, at a pew or, or at an altar and I, and I prayed and I, and I said, God, I, I surrender to you and you're right and God's word is right and thank you for convicting me. And I, I want us, and this may take a, a year or 10 years, but I want us to feel more comfortable doing that. I, I want you, when God pricks your heart and we have a time of invitation, you can talk to a counselor or, or, or a pastor here at the front or, or, or not. We, that, that doesn't matter. But I want you to feel comfortable coming forward and kneeling and praying. Let us respond to God's word immediately immediately. We need God's word to germinate. And to do that, three things need to happen. And let me tell you what those are. We need to make a covenant with the Lord to respond quickly. Would you promise God that in 2018, when he pricks your heart, that you will respond? You won't postpone. You won't think about it. You won't pray about it. You just respond. I remember when I was a youth pastor, we would as all youth groups do, we would go on these youth retreats to you know, various places and the beach or Gatlinburg or, or uh, one of the retreat centers around the country. But one of the things that we would do before we left uh, every single time is I'd get everybody together before we got on the buses, before, we, before you know, we got our focus on where we were going. I'd get everybody together, usually in the parking lot, and I'd try to get them serious just for a minute before we left. And I would ask them to to accept this challenge. I'd say over the next three or four days, uh, God's, gonna, God's gonna do something. You're gonna 
hear something. People have been praying for, for weeks that, that God's word would penetrate your heart. And every one of you are going to be in a position sometime over the next three or four days when God's word's going to convict you and, you and you need to make a decision. And I want you to make a commitment even before we get on the buses. I want you to make a commitment to God that the answer is yes. I, I just want you to say right now, Lord, whatever it is you want me to do, whatever sin I need to confess, whatever change I need to make, whatever commitment I need to invest in, whatever it is, I'm telling you the answer is yes. And you know, we need to do that going into 2018. We need to say, God, I know in 2018, you're going to impress upon my heart your word, and it's going to challenge me in areas I can't even anticipate. But the answer, I can, I can anticipate. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. We need to make a covenant with the Lord to respond quickly. And then we just need to do something. When God's word convicts you of sin or challenges you to change, we need to do something. Too often we make these emotional, um, the, we make these emotional decisions that, uh, these mental decisions, that's probably a better way to say it. We, we make these mental decisions that I'm going to, I'm going to embrace God's word in that, on that matter, but there's not anything physical to it. And so we think we have handled it, but we haven't. We've still let the word of God sit on top of the soil of our hearts. See, if, if, if God convicts you in this message, as I you know, throw the seed out this morning, if, if God convicts you, you need to read your Bible more often. You don't just need in your mind to say, you know, that's a good idea, that's something that I agree with and I'm going to think about. You need to do something physical. It's interesting when you read the Old Testament, God was always directing people in the Old Testament to do something tangible. That's one of the reasons why God set up the sacrificial system. God wanted them to bring animals to the to the, to the temple and to offer animals. It was a, it was a very demonstrative thing. And, and, and so this idea of forgiveness and all was not just something that was in their heart or in their head. It was something that they put fingers and, 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 they, and it was an action. Does that make sense? And it solidified that. That's why the Bible says, listen to this, Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9, I guess some of the most well-known verses in the Old Testament it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Okay, everybody's heard that. That the words I'm giving you today will be in your heart. So he says, I want the words to be in your heart. But, but listen, he didn't stop there. It wasn't just a mental emotional thing. He says that the words of God will be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. So here's something that you can actually do. He says, repeat them to your children. Talk with them when you sit at your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates. You, you know, they would even put scripture in little boxes and hang it from their clothes. Now, what's the point of that? You think, well, God's word doesn't do any good hanging from your clothes. Well, it's not the act of there's God's word stuck to me. It's the act that they, it's, it's the fact that they did something physical. And so when God's, God pricks your heart, you need to respond in some demonstrable physical, physical way when um, God teaching the Israelites to trust him uh, when they were in Egypt and he was bringing the plague of the Passover. He could easily have said, I want all of the Israelite homes 
to trust in me and then the death angel would pass over. But, and, and God could have chosen to do that. But God said, no, I want to do something where they've got to act, where they've got to physically do something. So he told them to put the blood on the, on the, on the doorpost of the home. He, there, there, was some, there was a physical act. And so when God pricks your heart, do something. And then when God pricks your heart, in order for this seed to gener- germinate, get down into the soil, you need to tell somebody. You need to tell somebody. I think this is one of the most uh, ignored, but one of the most powerful things we can do. Sometimes people say, Pastor, I, you know, I want to change. I, won't, I want to live by God's word, but it just has no, you know, I, I make commitments, but it just has no real effect in my life. Well, when God's word in 2018 pricks your heart, or even today, I want you to tell somebody. I want you to, I want you to tell your, your husband. I want you to tell your wife. I want you to tell a friend, a child, a parent. Hey, God's word pricked my heart about something. God's word wants me to make this change, and here it is, and I want to tell you because I want you to encourage me and pray for me. The Bible says that there's power in that. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. For the prayer of the righteous person is very powerful in its effect. God wants us to share. He, He says there's strength in sharing that you'll never experience if you just, if your walk with Christ is so personal and private that nobody else ever hears. Did you know that most of the commands in the New Testament you can't even do by yourself? I just have a list of them here. The Bible says pray for one another. Can you do that by yourself? No, pray for one another. That means you're praying for somebody else. It says to admonish one another. It says to strengthen one another. It says to encourage one another. It says to watch out for one another. It says to love one another. It says to forgive one another. That means that we got to be connected with people to do those kind of things. And, And in 2018, if you don't want to be the hard path, when God's word lands on your heart, you need to make a covenant with the Lord that the answer is yes. You need to do something physical in response to that, and then you need to tell somebody. Let, you need to be somebody else's one another. Somebody else needs to be, in, be able to encourage in that. Somebody else needs to be able to call you in a week and say, hey, how's that going, that, that commitment that you made? Somebody needs to be able to pray for you. Somebody needs to be able to challenge you on it. Hey, listen, didn't you, don't you remember you made, a, you made a commitment, you shared, and you asked me to pray about that about a month ago, and it you know, doesn't look like you're doing very well, and I love you enough to, to sort of challenge you on that. If we want that seed not to stay on the path, but to get down in our hearts, we're going to have to be intentional about that. We must be quick to allow God's seed to germinate. Now, the second thing we need to do, the second of four New Year's resolutions, if you will, if we want God's word to have an impact in our lives, is we need to set down some deep roots. Jesus said that one of the soils was the rocky soil. And as I told you earlier, this wasn't soil with gravel in it. This is... um, there were areas where there would be these giant rocks, like the size of this church, and they would just, they'd be flat on the top, and some of them would be just under the soil. The soil would be very thin. It would get warm when the sun would shine down on it. And this warm, moist soil was great for germination. And so the seed would land there, and almost immediately it'd begin to sprout, and a plant would grow up, and you'd think, look, there's a strong plant. But it wouldn't last very long. And when the sun would beat down on it and the soil would dry out, then the plant would just wither and die. And Jesus says that some people are like this kind of uh, soil. They don't allow the seed to set down deep roots. Uh, 
There are people that make all kinds of emotional decisions. And this is really what this is a picture of. This seed just grows up really fast. Have you ever seen anybody make an emotional decision? Uh, I've been, I did some calculation this week. I've been a senior pastor for 24 years. I was a youth pastor for seven years. Uh, so I, I've watched a lot of people make decisions over the years. And I've learned this. You can't judge a decision by the emotion that accompanies it. I've sat across the desks from people who cried their eyeballs out with some, some, some spiritual decision and, and it was so moving and you know, everybody else in the room would cry before it was over with and wow, just to see the, see the Holy Spirit move, we would say. And, and you know, one week later that, that decision would just be lost. But I've seen some people that uh, completely emotionless with their face just as flint and they make a decision and it, and it, and it, and it, and you just wonder, you know, where's, where's the emotion, but you see God work through that. And you see that, uh, that, that, that decision, that commitment last, what's the difference? It's not emotion. Don't judge a, a, a decision, a commitment, a confessions, genuineness by its emotions. Judge it by the roots that it sets down. Judge it by how it, it sets down roots to get nourishment and strength in order to survive. I mean, that plant that grows up in two days uh, looks really good, but since, if it doesn't have roots, it's not going to last. So how do we set down roots? How do we set down roots? Well, the primary way we do that in the Christian life, and, and, and that's what he's talking about here, is we just, we just give God's word a chance to work deeply into our lives. That means we read God's word every day. That means we study God's word deeply every day. That means that we come to church and we, we listen to people teach God's word. That means that we come to, come to a Sunday school class where, 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 where others are teaching God's word and where God's word can be discussed and it can be better applied to the specifics of your life. We, we need to be people who are, who are committed to, to setting down such deep roots into God's word that God's word would become such a part of our lives that we wouldn't be this uh, flash in the pan emotional decision and fail, but that we would have long and enduring life from God's word. We need to set down deep roots. And then the third thing we need to do if God's word's gonna have an impact in our lives is we need to strip out the weeds. We need to strip out the weeds. Look back at verse 18, where he says, others are like seeds sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, but the worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires of other things enter in and choke out the word and it becomes unfruitful. Uh, which grows faster? You tell me. Here in Texas, which grows faster? Weeds or grass? Weeds. How about weeds or vegetables? Weeds, weeds are flowers. Weeds, weeds grow faster. Now, the weeds here represent the sins, misplaced priorities. Uh, he mentions specifically the love of riches. Those kinds of things in our lives, if they're just set next to God's word, will crowd out and choke out the strength of God's word in our lives. It, it's not that we can just add God's word to a sinful life and it, uh, and it clean everything up. It's not like God's word's not like kudzu. You know, I don't know if we have kudzu here in Texas, do we? Uh, but do you know what that is? All right, skip that illustration. Uh, it, you, you can't just plant God's word and it just, 
and it just naturally take over. No, if, if God's word is planted next to the weeds, the weeds will take over. And so it's not just, occasionally I'll, I'll, I'll talk to somebody whose life is just completely messed up and, 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 and every, they're involved in sin, the, the, the love of wealth, the love of sex, all of this stuff has just gotten hold of them and, they, and their solution is this, you know, I'm just going to get up and read three chapters every morning. And they, they don't deal with any of those other problems, their, their commitment is just, is I'm just going to inject God's word into the, into the mess of my life. But that's what he's talking about. Some of the seed will fall amongst the thorns and the weeds uh, will, will, will strip it of life. So how do we know what the things are in our lives that are keeping God's word from growing? Well, we answer some questions like this. What are some things that are keeping you from spending time with the Lord every day? I mean, you just answer in your mind. What are some things that are keeping you from spending more time in the Lord every day? Whatever that thing is, or those things, those are some weeds in your life. What are some things, what are these things that are keep you, keeping you from serving God more than you are? I mean, there's so many ways to serve. We have so many needs here at the church. There, I mean, we got a bunch of people going on a mission trip to Jamaica today, and, and, and we're going to take more people on a mission trip to Jamaica. There, there are many opportunities, and there are going to be more and more opportunities in the days to come. What's keeping you from serving more than you are? Whatever the answer to that question is, those are weeds. What's keeping you from being more faithful in your giving? What's keeping you from being more generous and more faithful, absolutely faithful in your giving? Whatever that is, it's a weed. What's keeping you from being a part of Sunday school? I mean, many in our church are faithful to go to Sunday school every week, but some are not. What keeps you from that? Those things are weeds. If, if God's word's gonna make an impact in our lives, we need to identify and strip out the, we, the weeds that are choking its power. And then the fourth thing is we need to harvest bountiful fruit. Uh, now, the neat thing about the fruit here. And if you go back and Jesus refers to it twice, uh, down in verse eight, uh, he says the seed fell on good ground and it grew up producing fruit that increased 30, 60, a hundred times. And so he's talking about you plant a, a pound of corn and you get a hundred pounds of corn in the harvest. I'm not a farmer, but that seems like a pretty good harvest. And then he says the same thing over in verse 20. But, but here's the neat thing about this. The seed doesn't have to grow the harvest. Uh, we, uh, and I don't think I said that right, we don't have to produce the fruit ourselves. God will produce the spiritual fruit in our lives. God will produce the joy. God will give us the peace. God will give us the love in our relationships. God will give us the, the, the spiritual impact to lead other people to him. That's all of the work of God. All we have to do is to give the seed opportunity for deep roots in clean soil. And then all of that happens by the power of God. We can have a, harv a bountiful harvest not because we're exceptional at something, but just because we give space for God's word to work in our lives. Uh, let me share with you a couple of passages. Galatians 5.22 uh, is, uh, is that passage that we, we may be familiar with about the fruit of the spirit. And you see it, verse 22 and 23 on the screen. I really just want to look at the first six words. It says, but the fruit of the spirit is... 
And then it lists nine things. Love, joy, peace, patience. It lists these nine things. These are things that everybody wants, right? Do you want love or would you rather have strife? Do you want joy or would you rather have depression? Do you, do you want peace or would you rather have stress? Do you want patience or would you rather have anxiety? See, this is the stuff everybody wants. But notice, it doesn't say the fruit of you is love, joy, peace, patience. It, it, it's not something that you need to do. I, I, I heard a message series on this recently where, where, where a pastor preached how to have joy and how to have love. And he went through these and, and, and much of what he said was helpful. But, but what, the, what the passage says is this is not the fruit of you. This is the fruit of the Spirit. This is something that the Holy Spirit will bring into your life. If you just let the seed grow, this will be the result. What will God do if I'm, if I'm committed to his word this year? Well, there's what he'll do. He'll, he will cause this fruit just to grow up in your life. Love, joy, peace, all of these things will be the result. Now, let me show you one more verse. And this one I, I don't have on the screen. I, I, I changed this at the last minute, guys. But John 15, 5 says this. Jesus said this. I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. What the Bible says is that you can't produce any of this fruit in yourself, but if you'll stay connected to Jesus, to look at the analogy we're preaching on this morning, if you'll give God's word clean soil to set down deep roots in your life, then you will have a great harvest. What is some of the fruit that God will give to us? Well, I think he'll give us the fruit of maturity, spiritual maturity. With spiritual maturity comes wisdom, comes the ability to uh, stand against temptation. He'll give us spiritual maturity. I think some of us realize that what we need most is just to grow up a little bit spiritually. Well, how does that come? It comes from giving God's word a chance to grow and set down roots in your life. It'll give us victory over sin. And so if there are sins in your life that you've struggled with and you've struggled with and you've made commitments and you've promised and you've begged and you've repented and you've begged for forgiveness and, 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 and it just sticks around, it just sticks around, well, what's the answer? Well, the answer is you need this, this fruit of, of victory over sin and it's only going to come when God's word has space to grow in your life. You'll be able to impact the lives of others. Do you want to have greater spiritual impact? It comes, it comes through what the Lord does, not what you do. And that comes from, from having, uh, having the word of God set deep roots in our lives. And then finally, the spiritual fruit of the glory of God. God will get more glory out of your life the deeper the roots of God's word go. In 2018, there are a lot of things that we can't predict. If we try, we'll be wrong on more of them than we will be right. But we can know this, God's word for every single one of us can be life changing. It can be marriage changing. It can change everything about you. The power of God through his word. There's nothing more powerful for you in 2018. But you and I decide whether that's going to be true by deciding what kind of soil we're going to be when God's word lands. Just with your head bowed and eyes closed for a moment. I'm going to ask you to respond. And some will respond where they're seated or standing and there's nothing wrong with that. I just want you to respond. But I want to encourage some of you just to, 
just to step out from where you are. If there are people around you, they'll, they'll kindly let you step out. And, and let's just give feet to our commitment. If, if your commitment this morning is, I want my life to be changed in 2018 by the power of God's word. I, I, I don't want to just have a normal year. I don't want to just go through the motions. I don't want to just stay where I am. But I want my life to change in 2018. I want my marriage to change. I want my joy to change. I want my my impact for God to change. I want my life to count for the glory of God in 2018. If, If that's what you want, the key is to give more space for God's word to work in your life. To expose yourself to more of God's word. Read more. Respond to more. Listen to more. Would you make a commitment to the Lord this morning? to be that soft soil and to let God's word set their roots in your life. And so I'm going to ask some of you just to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to ask you just to join me here at the front and just kneel for a moment and pray. Or maybe if you can't do that, just to sit on the front pew for a moment and pray and say, I want my life in 2018 to be impacted by God's word for his glory and honor. Father, work in our lives. Let us live not by our own strength and power and wisdom, but let this new year be the year of your word, of your seed, and the soil of our hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me ask you to stand. Richard's going to lead us in song. If the Lord has moved you to respond and make a commitment, I invite you to come and join us here this morning.